Blog Talk Radio. Special time. 
this your time that what we to celebrate Black Music Month. Now, we can't celebrate Black Music here in the Golden Age Nation without start for the foundation. So that's why we will draw these two things together. This your time. So I'm not going to get off standing. So for all the hundred children, we're going to crack your teeth like this year. And now I'll stand tall, tall. I'm going to switch to this voice just so that in this language, those of my listeners that are around the world can understand the significance of this moment in time, 150 years after not only the Emancipation Proclamation of the United States was first read in Beaufort County, South Carolina. But recall now, if you've been keeping up with the broadcast all year and you've been keeping up with Gullah Geechee TV all year, recall that on the first of this year is when we commemorated the first reading of the Emancipation Proclamation that ever happened in the world's history, all right, happened in Beaufort County, South Carolina, which is a chain of sea islands. And the Gullah Geechee Nation, as you know, consists of the sea islands from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. So we dedicate this program tonight to Harriet Tubman, who actually worked during the Civil War as a nurse, a scout, and even a spy for the Union troops. When we start to talk about the dynamics of what she did, she did this not only in Beaufort County, South Carolina, but in Colleton, in Charleston, and then even down at Amelia Island in Florida. She went the breath of the Gullah Geechee Nation, trying to ensure that freedom wasn't just for her, freedom wasn't just for her family members that she was blood kin to, but freedom was going to be for all of the people who had been in bondage, all of the African people who had been in bondage. So when we think the spiritual that you heard La Angela Bell of the Gullah Connection and I open with tonight from Hold on, I Have a Shout Sometime, the first CD of the Gullah Connection, Go Down Moses, that song resonates within our souls because Moses is not only a name in some of our families like my own, but it is also something embodied in the story of Galagichis as they encountered the Bible and they looked at Exodus the same way it was embodied in the spirit of our mentor of Harriet Tubman, who then realized that freedom was not free and freedom was not real if she could not have others have the same thing that she had come to know in her heart, in her mind, in her spirit. Harriet Tubman is well known for singing spirituals, for keeping those spirituals going throughout these times that she had to take people trekking through the woods to get to their freedom even as we celebrated in the Tabernacle Baptist Church in historic Beaufort yesterday, in the town of Beaufort, that is, on the island of Port Royal, the same place that the town of Port Royal where the Emancipation Proclamation was read and where you saw us open this year on Gullah Geechee TV in that celebration of the Emancipation Proclamation. We returned there yesterday because within the records of the day of the Cumbahee River Raid, they stated that the people 
that did the raid that were led by this, quote, five-foot-tall Negro woman, who we know was Harriet Tubman, that they then returned to the town of Beaufort. And when they returned to the town of Beaufort, they had a shouting going on in a church in Beaufort. We don't know which one, but we do know that Tabernacle Baptist Church is also celebrating 150 years in existence. So the likelihood that it was there, where just down the block was our black Wall Street, where just down the block was the first black hospital in Beaufort County, the infirmary for Negro people, where just a few miles away would have been the encampment for those who many of you saw in glory when y'all hear that, oh, my Lord, 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 Lord. Mm-hmm. Seen? That came from the writings of Thomas Wigworth Hankson. And if you were if you were to look into Thomas Wentworth Hankson's writings, you would see that his diary about being in a black regiment had to be drawn from and drawn upon for that scene and glory and many other components of that film. We also have writings like that of Susie King Taylor to talk about her life in the regiment. But because Harriet Tubman was not a literate woman, she did not scribe her life story. She did not scribe what she saw, but she did tell orally what she saw, what she went through, and of the song she sang. And so, therefore, we have others that documented this, quote, unquote, Negro woman, this five-foot-tall Negro woman that dared to lead these men into battle. And here it was that at the Cumbie River, where we now have the only bridge in the world dedicated to Harriet Tubman, that as the people came to the shoreline, they tried to board what no doubt were battle boats that were also there along with the steamer that was out in the deeper waters. And the people were coming in such mass, they wanted to try to get on to those boats that were being rowed, but they couldn't take on anybody else. And because the Anglo people did not know how to calm the situation, how do you hold back a mother who has a child wrapped on her back with sacks of things that they could garner in their arms, wading in the water, making their way to the boat? How do you take the oar of the boat and push back the people? Because you know if you don't, the boat will capsize because it cannot take on any more weight. How do you handle this? Well, you handle it because you call out to God, and in faith God says there's a Moses with you. You call her to the front and let her speak to the people. Well, when she got there, they called out to her, Colonel Montgomery, the white leader, as it was supposed to be, where really Harriet was the leader in this case, called out to her to say, speak to your people. Well, she let somebody know these weren't none of her people no more than they was his people because she wasn't from around him. She didn't know these people. But when she stepped forward, she realized what they had in common was the way they looked. So she sang. And when she sang, people sang with her, and that calmed the situation long enough that they could maneuver the boat so they could get one set of folks out and get other sets onto the steamer. And then you had this gallant band of 800 black folks, 800, how we say, 
799 Gullah Geechis and one Harriet Tubman, <laughs> and there was this 300 soldiers that were black soldiers that were Gullah Geechis, that were non-Gullah Geechis, but we know they were all African soldiers that were part of this band leading what is known as the Combahee Raid that then dismantled the armaments, the missiles that the Confederates had placed up and down these shorelines. If you know anything about the South Carolina coastline of the Gullah Geechee Nation, you know that if you are in Beaufort County, South Carolina, to get to Charleston County, South Carolina, you go northward on what's the King's Highway, Highway 17, and you have to cross the Cumberhee River. As you cross it now, you see Harriet Tubman's name on the bridge, but before you saw no such thing. And that river is wide. Can you imagine what you would have done? Could you imagine if there would have been a song in your soul? Do you think at that moment that the Spirit would have spoke to you and said, Wait in the water, wait in the water, children, in the water, God quite trouble the water. Or would you have been one that was standing back, afraid to go into freedom, afraid to go on board, afraid to keep on moving? Harriet Tubman was one that never stopped moving. And she kept the people moving ever toward freedom. Yet it took many of us to stand in her stead for years on end, telling her story. I remember when I discovered that as a native of Beaufort County who had grown up reading book after book, children's work after children's work, written about Harriet Tubman, this woman called Moses, how they never mentioned Beaufort, South Carolina. And here I was as an adult, someone with awards on her wall that had Harriet Tubman's face and name on them, women of distinction awards named after Harriet Tubman, because people said, we want to give this to you because you are embodying her. And I was all I could be drawn to was knowing how many times I'd read her story, read of this woman that went from Bucktown, Maryland, up to Canada, back to Auburn, New York, and then continued to go back into enslavement, even with a bounty on her head, because her family was not yet free. So she could not be free. But had anyone written the story of her coming to Beaufort, South Carolina? No, they had not. But then one day, God so had it that I uncovered a document that said that Harriet Tubman was in Beaufort, South Carolina, that she was a nurse here, that she ran a bakery in historic downtown Beaufort on Charles Street, that she somewhere lived in that township and therefore was there along with the U.S. Colored Troops. And then as I proceeded to research further, I found out about what we now know is the Cumbahee Raid that was written up in the Boston Commonwealth publication some months or months after it had already taken place. We find out later, too, that Charleston newspapers wrote misleading stories 
to say over a thousand soldiers came in and whooped the Confederates and all this kind of thing, and they were the ones that did this because they did not want in their media to tell the true story of the fact that the people self-liberated and that there was a black woman in charge and not a statuous Amazon either, a petite woman of God that was leading even the troops that the government had assembled that couldn't get this job done. And as she led, she sang. So it's interesting now that June is not only Black Music Month, June is being celebrated as Great Outdoors Month. This week is celebrated as Fishing and Boating Week in the U.S. and here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And we salute the Gullah Geechee Fishing Association members. And we definitely want folks to go to the Gullah Geechee Fishing Association Facebook fan page and make sure that you fan them this week because we are trying to help them reach 300 fans on Facebook because we want to have the world begin to know and understand that our fishermen were many times in those front lines and they still are in terms of information gathering and in terms of freedom and in terms of navigating the waters and moving our people up and down. Because this is Black Music Month, many of you have heard a song that you probably do not even link to Gullah Geechee people because of the way you heard it in school. I'm going to sing this, and I know at home as you listen, if you're listening live in the chat room tonight, thank you all for being here. I see some of my singers already here because Peck Ensemble's in the house. And we also know some of you are listening on your iPods, your iPads, and other countries, and even around the world. Y'all are probably going to join in right now. Michael Rody Bodashaw, Hallelujah. Michael Rody Bodashaw, Hallelujah. Yeah, some of y'all are even doing that little hand motion that people did when the Gullah Connection and I sang that song as part of an exhibition that the Smithsonian had when it came here to Beaufort, South Carolina some years ago. And you saw us on Gullah Geechee TV. And you saw there was a woman in the audience doing hand signs. And so here it is, Michael Rode of Shore has been taught to school children all over the U.S. and around the world without the true story behind it. Very similar to why some folks think Amazing Grace is a spiritual and is not. It was written by John Newton, someone who in fact was a quote-unquote slave trader, someone who had operated a business of enslaving our ancestors who in fact got revelation and vision when he himself got captured off the shores of Africa. But Michael wrote a boat ashore is a Gullah Geechee spiritual. Michael wrote a boat ashore was actually a song that missionaries, again, with Bush shooting things and going on and things, they've been a kind down your front. No, see, because they've been a look for the Negro children and things like that. We've been going educate we they taught. And many of those missionaries got an education of their own. They started to write down as best they could songs that they heard, quote-unquote, the Negroes singing, even as they ferried them across the waters. And this time, it was that Buford River, the same river that no doubt Harriet Tubman and the troops and Colonel Montgomery and those sailed when they brought those ships and those missiles back in 
to Union territory away from the Confederacy and southward into our county, away from Colleton. Here it is that Michael was an Orsland, a Gullah Geechee Orsland, that this was a song of cadence sung along the waterway by the rivermen the Negro boatmen, the Negro oarsmen, all these ways that they're documented now. These were Gullah Geechee fishermen, boat makers, oarsmen. This tradition continues. You just don't hear as many of our today's fishermen singing when they're on the water because a lot of them can't sing too well. That's why they fish. They can't give up their day jobs. But these songs carried them through, carried them over. They understood, waited. In the water, you see. And so it is interesting that here it is that these songs are interconnected at all times in our story of freedom. And when we start to talk about today and we start to talk about this being Great Outdoors Month, this being voting week and fishing week, this being the time that we celebrate black music, I would be remiss to have not discussed some of our story with the spirituals. And so, yes, as Pekka Ensemble was mentioning in the chat room, yes, pilots of the boat is what many of our folks are called, the captains or the pilots of the boats. Yet still, that term is used. But the only reason people don't use it as much when we speak to folks outside the Gullah Geechee Nation is because they're going to mistake that for a plane flight instead of boats these days. The interesting thing about when we discuss the pilots, the captains, the oarsmen, the fishermen, and when we say fishermen, we mean those who go for fish, crab, oyster, clam, all of them are called fishermen. Others have anglers, which we see as more recreational fishing, not traditional subsistence fishing that we continue to do here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. So there is a difference in that regard. And there's also a difference in what we are standing up for today when we talk about the legacy of being on the water in the Gullah Geechee Nation and these songs that ripple off these waves, there is an economic component and always has been to what we do on the water, what we do on the land, who we are on the water and the land, because the very reason our ancestors were brought here by ship was because we were considered black cargo, black gold, and we were commodities to be sold along with the commodities that we could harvest. When we harvest the fish from the waterways and the crabs and the clams and the shrimp and all of that during cattle enslavement, those were items to feed ourselves on the plantation and also to trade with. So that's why we're on the children to come down, you know, you and Nyam Pun, we've been a Nyam Pun, they're already in the yonder to go to get your pop up dinner and thing like that. Hunna usually want Nyam Pun, all kind of seafood and thing, Hunna to get you. We understand. And we totally understand why you come here looking for seafood dishes and looking to eat it because this is part of our tradition, our legacy. It's like rice. If we didn't have it every day, we would wonder where we were. So here it is, Carolina gold rice, that commodity, that gold alight alongside those black hands, those black golden hands that got it from the fields that were what? Filled with water. Here it is again, it's water. And what is our water filled with but marshes and bulrush? We're back to Moses. We're back to Exodus and how God 
continues to have us spiritually surrounded by the water that still heals, and we know the water to bring me up, the water going to take me back. But here it is sailing in and out on these waters, even during the time of chattel enslavement, and then during the Civil War was cotton, Sea Island cotton, long staple Sea Island cotton, comedic cotton that was grown here because of salinity in the air itself. It grows richly, wherein in the deep south it wouldn't do so. Very much so like why we didn't want to be sold into the deep south because we couldn't survive there as well as you did on these sea islands, even during bondage time. Bondage time where we code switched and these spirituals became a language in and of themselves that to those of us who be Gullah Geechee, we get it one thing and we don't stand. And other of us, the people that work with them, they get it some other thing like that. And them a dog and think that we the did it one all and thing like that. And we know for true. And all of we the did no Some done guan yona to freedom. So that's why even in those night times, you heard songs like, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Change to swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. And places where people knew who Harriet Tubman was, where they were her people, so they knew she was coming back for them, that she'd come again and again till she got out about 70. But it wasn't until that day, 150 years ago as of yesterday, June the 2nd, 1863, that she got loose some 800 people who she said weren't necessarily her people, but they knew they were. And that is why the richness got on board and they traveled that waterway and they brought that richness of freedom to more people that they encountered along the way. The songs they sang, all of them, we don't even remember and know today because they weren't all scribed and they weren't all remembered and they don't all continue to be sung. But I can tell you what a shout sound like. I can tell you what it feel like. And I can tell you we are still doing that here because we do know the richness of who we are because of the legacy that they left along these waterways amidst this marsh, amidst this full rush, amidst this Gullah Geechee anointed land. So when we talk about the commodification of culture today, we realize when people come in trying to stick their tape recorders and their video cameras into our worship services and trying to stick those into spiritual sessions such as our libation services, and they don't understand or understand why that is not the time, as rich as it may sound to you, as well as you might love hearing the songs and the clapping and the shouting, there is a time and a place for everything. And we found that with others in their world, they feel that there is always a time or a place to sell things. And so it is very interesting how with all the years of black people in North America singing songs, how there is still not freedom in even the music industry. 
that there are still those who consider themselves in bondage the same way that the artist formerly known as Prince became the artist formerly known as Prince from being Prince Rogers Nelson when he walked around with the word slave on his face. And some of you heard me mention this in previous episodes. You heard me a couple episodes ago discuss St. Helena's song, Candace Glover to the White House and tell you about the history of our spirituals and how interesting it was that on the national level they did not give the credence nor the credit to where those spirituals were first documented here on St. Helena Island, right back here we are again in Beaufort County, South Carolina. So when we start to migrate off away from the coast and the spirituals go out into the deep south, they change into work songs that end up on the gangs. They change into the songs that are called the blues. They change and they get added back a little bit of rhythm, and we call it R&B. They change and the young people take that and they flip it, and then they start a thing called hip-hop up in the Bronx and the boogie down because their story is like the blues, but there's another rhythm to it on the hard concrete. It ain't the same as what you hear in the dirt road and down in the juke joint, you know, down in the bayou. So here it is that all of this cacophony of singing and dancing and clapping and feet moving and us being in small spaces together, whether it's in a praise house or a juke joint or in a so-called club up in the north where our children get dispersed to places like Detroit and Chicago, that these sounds begin to emit, and you have something that grows in a small building. We call it Hitsville, and it becomes Motown. But who gives the baseline? Here we are, base, back to the beginning, back at where we slide into base, that sound that hits, that makes all Africans start to move. Who gives the baseline? But James Jamison, where is he a native of? Edisto Island, South Carolina, right back to the Gullah Geechee Nation, right up the river, right where those U.S. colored troops ended up, right where our people continued those songs, those sounds, and people wonder why they could never duplicate what he did. It was the same way they told us with the Patriot. We tried to duplicate everybody's music for the soundtrack, but Queen Quet, we got to keep yours in the Gullah Connections because we can't duplicate what y'all did somehow. And these were trained musicians trying to do so, Grammy Award-winning musicians trying to do so, orchestrated musicians that read sheet music, but there was no sheet that could write down this value, richness, power that comes when Gullah Geechee black souls get together and there from their souls and their hearts emit this thing that's now called black music. I salute the root which is an online publication that some of my listeners, I'm sure you read, even if you only read it when I post things from it on Facebook or on our Twitter feed. And for those who are on Twitter, Gullah Geechee is who we are. If you have not tweeted us yet, you can start tonight. Look for us. We are Gullah Geechee folks on Twitter. So we are Gullah Geechee at Gullah Geechee. And so make sure that you tweet and keep up. But now here it is that those who have read the articles, you would have noticed that I started Black Music Month with an article that had been written by Hillary Crossley called The Economic Origins of Black Music Month. And I want to read some from this for this first 
episode, this first edition for this month as we celebrate here on Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio so that you grasp why am I talking about economics? Why am I tying all of this in? Because we have to start to recognize exploitation even though we don't have chains physically there to see. You need to recognize that when people like Lauren Hill and Prince and even Michael Jackson, God bless the dead, and people like this spoke out about what was really happening to them in the music industry, let us not be dismayed when we hear things that, oh, so-and-so is bankrupt. How can they be bankrupt? They had millions of records sold. They had millions of records sold, or the record label had millions of records sold. So I need you all to hear a bit of this for those who hadn't read it, for those who want to print it out, go to theroot.com and type in Black Music Month, and I'm sure you'll find this article, The Economic Origins of Black Music Month. All right? Since 1979, June has been designated Black Music Month. The annual celebration was the result of a collaboration between songwriter and producer Kenneth Gamble of Gamble and Huff and broadcasters Ed Wright, and Deanna Williams, who lobbied then-President Jimmy Carter for a month, like Country Music Month in October, that celebrated the business of African Americans in entertainment. Fortunately for the trio, they had friends in high places. All right? So now this article goes on to be an interview with Kenneth Gamble. Now, y'all who are music enthusiasts, like I know if my boy Kwame Shaw from Almo Productions is listening right now, you snapping all kinds of fingers and, and wooting, whistling and all that, because I know you know about Gamble and Huff. But I'm going to leave it up to y'all for a little Black Music Month assignment. That's the teacher and me. That's the professor and me. I'm the perpetual student, but I switch off and will teach the class in a heartbeat. I need y'all to go learn who Gamble and Huff actually are you will probably end up being amazed as to the songs that Gamble and Huff actually wrote and produced over these many years that y'all been dancing to for quite some time. All right? Now, one of the questions that was asked was what was the catalyst for even beginning Black Music Month in 1979? I know some of y'all thinking like I'm thinking, that was a good time to party back then, right? I know that's right. So anyhow, you want to put them platform shoes back, put them back. You know you got back problems now from that. Okay, so here's his answer. Kenneth Gamble said the Black Music Association was a trade association at the time, and it was an educational forum for young producers and writers, African Americans in particular, where they could discuss the benefits of the music industry. History says that most African Americans in the industry were robbed of their songs and their property. The Black Music Association spoke to the marketing of black music. The whole theme was Black Music is Green, and it dealt with the economics of African-American music. It was very helpful, not only to us, but also the industry at large. Then the Black Music Association created Black Music Month, which was another original, because October was Country Music Month. What happens when you have a music month? You get additional marketing dollars, and it helps to market and promote the artists. It's still working because right now we're talking about something that started 34 years ago. So once again, you all have heard me say this before. There are some folks, and I don't think my listeners are this way, but you all may be passing this on to a few family members and friends that are, that like to say black folks don't stick together. Black folks don't keep nothing going. 
black folks don't start nothing and all that kind of thing. Don't let other people fool you. You just heard this celebration has been going on for 34 years, and I'm sure many of you are saying, and this is the first year I celebrated it. This is the first year I heard something about it. Yes, every June is Black Music Month. Throughout this month, you will see on the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, you will see on our Twitter feed a number of different postings about black music, but in particular, music that is connected to Gullah Geechee's and our origin here. You've seen that we already put up some of the music that were spirituals, that people consider, quote-unquote, slave songs, instead of calling them what they are, spirituals that emitted from the souls of Gullah Geechee's, even here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, and continue to be our official music of the Gullah Geechee Nation. And we definitely salute folks that are out there that are continuing to sing the songs the traditional way, not the way that they were then altered so that they could be palatable to the mainstream and to others who folks went around performing for, but still shouting with the hand claps and the polyrhythms and the cracking teeth and Gullah Geechee went in the dorm and things like that. And just the do thing, the other rest of we like fisking them or kidding. So we definitely want to salute those that are keeping that going. But let's talk about the economic aspect of the marketing of spirituals. What has gone on in the Gullah Geechee Nation? As we have a society to reserve the Negro spirituals, that is actually an Anglo group of people. They started documenting the singing of Gullah Geechee's from the time that their ancestors had Gullah Geechee's enslaved, like I mentioned the missionaries were doing it, through the Reconstruction era when they started to return back to the south, and they had some of the people who had been previously enslaved working in their homes to clean the homes and that were live-ins and that lived still in the enslavement cabins that they later called the quarters and other names that are so prissy and nice today as you go on these plantation tours throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation. But the reality is that these people would, if they did not bring in certain ones, of the quote-unquote Negro children and adults to sing for them as entertainment for their guests when they had dinner parties and yard parties, they would also go ahead and then try to mimic the singing of the quote-unquote Negro people, especially in the early 1900s during the height of the segregation era. And just, let's say, right around the Great Depression era on into the 50s, we had a number of folks who I'm not going to name on my broadcast who are deceased now who made a lot of money because they went around not only doing so-called gullah storytelling and they were Anglo people, but then they also had these groups of choirs of Anglo people, especially out of Charleston, that would go around and sing, and they would say they were singing the spirituals, and they would sing them in Gullah Geechee because they would listen and try to mimic the tones they heard the Gullah Geechee sing. If they got near a praise house and got to hear it, or went around to some of the churches and sat in, and so on. And so we have now today this whole society, and they have CDs out selling them. You have also a situation with Alan Lomax, who did a lot of documenting that is now a part of the Smithsonian archives in in Washington, D.C., collected a lot of the spirituals, especially on John's Island during the Civil Rights Movement and so forth, and those are sold. Again, when we talk about commodification, and I'm telling you these things are being sold, 
There's not a dime coming to the Gullah Geechee Nation. There's not a dime going to Gullah Geechee institutions or to youth for scholarships or any such thing. These organizations, these institutions that sell these materials, they benefit from the financial sales of this. And so here it is that you have a situation from the time of enslavement where there was knowledge base that came in through African people that was exploited. You had African people exploited also for the sake of entertainment, and that is still going on. So when we listen and we read this article that talks about the history of Black Music Month and why they think that, that black music is green, black music is green, and that they actually went about wanting to market and get marketing dollars. That was so that they could have funds coming back into their own artists. There's a film that I would say that you should watch, and if you watched it before, maybe you want to watch it again, just in honor of Black Music Month. There's a couple of them, actually. Standing in the Shadows of Motown is a very good documentary film to learn more about James Jameson, who I mentioned earlier, and who will be celebrating James Jameson Days in Charleston on September the 21st this year. But we'll be having a James Jameson tribute at the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival in August, so you can go to info for more on that, info or email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, gullgeeko at americaonline.com. So standing in the shadows of Motown is one that you should look up. There's a book called Standing in the Shadows of Motown, and there is also the documentary, which will have you dancing, because they also have more recent artists doing the Motown songs over with the members, the living members at that time of the Funk Brothers, because we only have uh, one or two living members of the Funk Brothers, I believe, now. And they're not, one of them is not doing too well. And so the other film that I would suggest that is not a documentary, but it's actually a feature-length film, is Cadillac Records. And so if you can get a chance to watch Cadillac Records, I want you to pay close attention to the fact that Howlin' Wolf let them know he don't borrow against the bank. All right? Look at that scene and get an overstanding and an understanding. Understand the greatest thing in the world. And so wisdom, is the principal thing. So get wisdom, but in all thy getting, get understanding. And understand that Black Music Month is not just a celebration to just sing and dance and, you know, party, which is all good because you all know on my Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook page, you know we're going to be partying every day this month. You know some kind of music coming up on there. That's good. There is a time and a place for everything. However, let us not party ourselves into an oblivion where we don't realize that while you dancing over in the corner, the money train is moving out the back door. And it was actually your money because it was your music. That's the economic aspect of it, is that how long is it that we will sing and we will dance, but somebody else's family will send their children off to college off of what we actually produce. So I definitely thank Peck Ensemble because in the chat room, 
they not only saluted that that was a very informative article, but said props to artists like Queen Quentin the Gullah Connection who record and distribute their own music. I thank you for saying that. And because she said that, I know y'all. some of y'all are saying, well, distribute the music? Where is it at? How do you get it? Is it on iTunes? It is at www.gullahgeechee.biz. All right? And Gullah Geechee is G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E. No I in Geechee. GullahGeechee.biz. So if you go to GullahGeechee.biz, you not only find our CDs there, but you will also find books. You'll find quilts. You'll find cast nets. That is our economic empowerment site because everything that is purchased there, the money goes directly to the craft artisans, the authors, the DVD makers, and so on that you see featured on that site. And we actually have been trying to get more Gullah Geechee merchandise to put on that site. But every year, if you come to the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival, you will see that it's all Gullah Geechee owned, operated, supported, and done. We get some ads every now and then from other folks that want to salute the Gullah Geechee Nation that are not Gullah Geechee, and we are accepting those types of ads and salutes even now. So if you're interested in getting a sponsorship kit, an ad kit, you can email us again at G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. But any vendors that you see set up, they are Gullah Geechee traditional artists. You see that the things that are there are authentically Gullah Geechee. They have a connection to the community. There are people who are authors that donate materials that they wrote that contain something pertinent to our culture. They'll donate books. They'll donate CDs or they'll donate DVDs to us to sell at the event as their contribution to making sure that such an event continues to go on each and every year that educates, empowers, enlightens, and enriches and does not exploit the community. The artists that present give of their time each and every year because they want to contribute, and we have every one of those artists that they have CDs selling their CDs at the event. So y'all come prepared to buy music from Soul Power and Brother Anthony McKnight, who is the nephew of James Jameson. So when we talk about celebrating music for us in the Gullah Geechee Nation, it is an everyday thing. We live this. We live self-determination. You cannot stay strong and being self-determined if you are a dependent. So that is why we talk about economic independence and economic empowerment, and that is why Black Music Month is something that we definitely celebrate in the Gullah Geechee Nation, not just because black music has its roots and spirituals that come from the Gullah Geechee Nation, but because we need to get our people overstanding and understanding that there is this economic component to it, that we need to reinvest in our artists. We need to reinvest in our community. That's why many of you who are at the Gullah Festival, or if you watch the Gullah Geechee TV broadcast of my presentation from this year's Gullah Festival, you saw me dance to Candace Glover's I Am Beautiful, and you heard me let you know. Um, you voting for her is is not all she needed. She needs you to buy her CD, which you can pre-order right now, 
or you can at least go to iTunes and buy the one single, I Am Beautiful. If you love the whole show and the way she sung everything, all the cover tunes, there's already an album available from Kansas Glover on iTunes. This is the economic aspect. This is the marketing aspect that was being discussed in this article when they asked one of the founders of the month, why did they do it? Kenneth Gamble makes it clear. You get additional marketing dollars, and it helps to market and promote the artist. So every year we promote Gullah Geechee artists, not only during Black Music Month, but throughout the whole year, and especially from our stage at the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival. We have other artists there as well. But we make sure it's some singing going on and some drum beating and going on. Because in 1739, when they took the drums from us, they didn't expect any of us to have a shout left, much less to have it unite us, bring us together, and then stand around recognizing that, uh-uh, block the back door and put something across the track because the money train ain't leaving till the party over and we're going to count that together. All right? So y'all need to understand a bit more about the music industry and the fact that Many times you see artists, they make their money at the concerts. I was very happy with the Soul Food Music Festival that came here, Soul Food Festival, that had a number of artists because of the professionalism of all the artists that presented. But there were people at my table in the VIP section that actually asked, Queen Quet, how do these people make their money? And I was glad to be able to stand up and move over to them so they could hear me above the other music and explain what the real deal is, that they don't really make their money off of a record. They might get 10 cents off a record unless they're a huge star with a great contract, and they might get 30 cents. I said, other than that, they get it from endorsement deals, and they get it from their concerts. That's why you see some folks, you say, well, why so-and-so all the day is don't go retire, and they still out here singing and carrying on? They got to. Because they're selling them records when y'all hear them on the radio and y'all up in here bootlegging people stuff, don't pay their bills. So we need to start to definitely put our money where our mouths are, and just like you would pay that money entering up in the joke joint or the nightclub, let's put the money down and support our artists this Black Music Month. Go out and buy at least one somebody CD if there's still stores that sell them, or vinyl if you're still a DJ like me and you still buy those, or Go on on iTunes and download. See, iTunes dangerous for me because I beat I'm broke because it's attached to your cards and stuff like that. Be taking your money. So, but I definitely buy my music as much as people tell me. You get that for free. I listen to YouTube, but I will go up and buy the music because I know it makes a difference. And that's what this month is about. Not only marketing, but supporting our music and our artists, our legacy. Because if our folks hadn't come together even 150 years ago as of yesterday, to put on a raid together then and to sing and to shout together then, where would we be today? And right now, I guess that's the DJ in me, but Instant Recall had me listen to Lakeside just now. This is a raid. Everybody raid the dance floor, but I need you to raid it with some cash money these days if you're dance floor in your house and make sure that you make a purchase this month and support somebody and make sure that we economically stand together. Harriet Tubman did that when she started the wash house in the bakery. She had other local women work with her in there and so that they could split the money. So this is what 
we are talking about here today as we start off this month. And I know these spirituals and these songs, I pray that they elevate your soul and that they touch you and they move you like our ancestors moved together, but also go ahead on and support some of the other things have that are going on. And so uh, it's really interesting um, I had a question from Peck Ensemble. She said, as I've said before, I don't understand the reason that people always want to commodify black people and our music. No one does that with Native American music, or do they? Well, actually, um, they do. <laughs> there are a number of national park sites and things that I've seen different things, or I've heard things that um, people have done in, say, Hollywood movies that they claim was Native American music that actually at the National Museum of the American Indian in Washington, D.C., they have live presenters there that do the same thing we do through the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition at our site, which is to really edutain people and so that they let you know that that song like, that you heard in all those Hollywood movies was never a Native American song. But you know that kind of music has sold out there as that. Okay, so we have had commodification of various people of color's music. Uh, I just don't think it has ever been exploited to the level that, quote-unquote, black music has. Uh, So that is something that is really interesting. Yes, and I appreciate your comment that you love the song Stay in the Field and Gully Get Down, uh, which which says that you have more than one of our CDs because Stay in the Field is on one CD and Gully Get Down is on another. And all of these are songs from the Gullah Connection and I. So I definitely appreciate fans. Uh, and I hope that folks come out with plenty of shiny ting and things like that when you come to the fest in August for get more of them. So I'm definitely going to open up the phone lines uh, for a couple of minutes. I see Ashley said she had no idea there was a Gullah Geechee man that was the baseline of Motown. That's what I love about Motown, their baselines. Yes, James Jamison. So be with us, Ashley, on September the 21st. And definitely you'll be there for James Jamison days. Now, good evening. I know it one street. This must be R D. It one street. Hunter, dear, you with me? What's yes, going I on? am. How is it, Quickwit? Peace and blessings. So glad to be here. I came to class. I got in late. It was like literally the last fifteen twenty minutes when I heard you talking about uh, music, Black Music History Month, and literally just came in like the last few minutes. So you slid in under the wire. You I slid in. So I got all pads. up in here. <laughs> I have a hall pass. <laughs> That's all right. You got a hall pass because definitely you have been at work um, for the Gullah Nation. I hope you on to make it more of our mini sun catches already because you know I read them for so my my order that I didn't even get to keep one myself. This order, as soon as they came out, I, I was like, okay, there's some power and energy on these. I mean, that oh, was the wow. first thing. I hung up. I hung up the one as we were actually setting up our booth at the Gullah Festival, and after that, it was a wrap. Oh, wow. It was a wrap. <laughs> so, yeah, some very spiritual folks, yeah, some very spiritual folks got them, though. So it's a blessing. So I'm glad oh, I kept good. my Driftwood ones, and I was just down there on the shoreline outside of our uh, center, our new space that we're opening up so that artisans like you and researchers have a place to stay when they come to work with the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition here. And I, I was amidst all this driftwood clearing out bottles that had done floated in and bottles that people had tossed and had gotten wow. down and I thought about you, and I thought about I said, man, I can't let R.D. come here because he be done snatch all this wood up off this. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought of you. I was like, uh-oh, 
actually great to have you and one of our other artists, Monique, um, here at the same time to see what the two of y'all create just from yeah. the stuff that's laying out there, you know, that looks to other people <laughs> like, that ain't nothing, you know. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate you because I was, I was hearing the voice of my ancestors coming across the waves singing, but I sure was thinking about you and what, what that wood would turn into if you were standing there with me. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm glad you slid into class in these last few minutes, and, and I know we didn't have much time. That's why I didn't give out the call-in number for those who didn't already have it. You know, my regular listeners, they got it on speed dial. So from the minutes you got uh, so far, you know, what have you gathered, and how are you celebrating Black Music Month besides showing up at my parties on Facebook, that is? <laughs> well, see, that's an ongoing thing. As you know, just like you and his and stuff, you know, I play round the clock uh, music, black music by writers. Uh, one of my cousins, her, her 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 father actually was a songwriter, very famous songwriter um, in in the fifties and sixties, Otis Blackwell, and he actually wrote uh, because he's a writer. You know, a lot of times that's where the, the 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 stuff goes. And he wrote, I think, Fever for Peggy Lee, Blue Suede Shoes, and Don't Be Cruel mm-hmm. uh, for. Um, also, uh, Don't Be Cruel for Elvis, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a few others that are very known. And rest her soul, before she passed, my cousin Odette was able to accept uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame award about three years ago before she passed it. away. She passed away very young, had a very rare illness, but she was able to accept it on her father's behalf. And her oh, mother... Right. Is my grandmother's sister, and that's the one who actually was, and I, I might have sent you, in a singing group known as the Bi Sisters in the 40s. And they knew everybody, Dinah Washington. Dinah Washington is actually my mother's godmother. And oh, Lena really? So I'm, I was brought up. That's the other. That was Those are the, the people that are, you know, my grandmothers, my great-grand, you know, those people that we grew up and learning about these things and music. I mean, I, I was taught that from the get-go and, you know, people like Lena Horn and, and yeah. you know, my uh, Mill Jackson was a friend of the family. Well, I, that's way before I was born, but my grandmother's right, friend it. and my mother when she was young was able to, <laughs> right. and stuff, was able to, um, yeah, so I celebrate playing jazz every day from, uh, you know, uh, not all, well, not just every day, but it's just the, the music and a lot of these unknown writers or black writers and, and you know, give homage to people like uh, Elizabeth Taylor Greenfield, one of the first black opera singers all around singers, the world. In a, right. She was before Cicerita Jones. A lot of people talk about Cicerita Jones in the late 1800s, but they forget about Elizabeth Taylor Greenfield, who was old enough to be her mother or grandmother who toured way before her and stuff, so... You know, it's yeah, like music, and I'm a singer first. That's before everything. So, art. <laughs> I know that's right. See, and I was just about to say that. And some of y'all who are on our Facebook fan page, y'all have seen uh, Red King Donto on an interview on Gullah Geechee TV Nation News, and we talked a little bit about that. And, R.D., I know you're going to be hanging with me this whole month um, for Music Month, and we just got a few more seconds left to this show. But I must say, um, just like you, I'm just like that song when it came out. Just like music. <laughs> so, yeah, so we are music. It's not yes. that we like music. We are yes. music. And definitely yes. I know our ancestors are very, very pleased that we are music and that we are continuing to celebrate their songs, their sounds, their legacy, and just yes. who we be as Gullah Geechee anointed people. And so I definitely appreciate you. And, you know, even though I'm going off the air here, 
Have no fear, my Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan folks. I'm coming <laughs> on out there because the party continues this Black Music Month. And Hunter Chillin' know if Hunter did with we that you know you're going to a Gullah Geechee party. So this is Queen Quet, Chiefess and Head of State for the Gullah Geechee Nation. Thank you, thank you for joining we. And keep on celebrating Black Music Month and the family and just who we be. Peace and blessings. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.